I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's show number 548. And on today's show, we're talking about Norm Abram, the YouTuber. Why Matt's so small and shy, yet confident. Features. What? <laughs> you didn't see that one coming? I don't read these things, apparently. <laughs> oh, wow. Definitely going to be a lot of woodworking in this show, I can already tell. It's like uh, Matt's medieval name. Word. Like, Matt, the small and shy, yeah, yet confident. <laughs> <laughs> Features of an all-in-one workbench and organizing portable power tools. But before we get to that... No, 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 no. Let's just make it all about me and Norm. Okay, YouTuber. that sounds good. We could do, we could do a lot with that. not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before March 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show... You can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. We'd like to thank Eric Lewis, Edwin Mancini, Doug, and Von Welch. All right. Well, thanks for the support, everybody. We appreciate it. We've got a dining table discussion today. <clears throat> this one is spurred on by a question from a gentleman named Peter, and it goes like this. He says, like many... I've been binging the new Yankee Workshop episodes as they're uploaded to YouTube, and it seems uh, lucky that Norm wasn't a YouTuber. The episodes are being uploaded out of order, and in early shows, he often ignores wood movement, uses exposed nails everywhere, and even a pocket hole jig that he calls a blind screw pocket. What a moron that guy is. What a moron. Jeez. And that belt sander that he, he puts that thing through its paces. Most of these would be a certain woodworking, uh, YouTube woodworking sins by today's standards. And yes, Norm had his safety glasses on, but respirators, dust collection, hearing protection? Nope. All right, continuing. Uh, But later, boy, did Norm get into the, I could build that too if I had all those tools situation. Uh, Is there a dovetail jig that he didn't use? I even see a wide belt sander in the later episodes. I remember as a teenager in this era being in awe of all that he had and wondering why my high school shop didn't. And he did finally begin to address those wood movement issues. Didn't Norm love that biscuit joiner too? Anytime he could, out that thing comes. So I'm curious how we take these. Are they only good for the nostalgia? Why don't we see belt sanders featured anymore? Was the biscuit, well, how about the radio alarm saw? There's another one that you, you don't oh, see yeah, much, but you yeah. saw it always on New Yankee. Uh, was the biscuit joiner so bad that the domino had to take over? I see some techniques. I wonder if I might try, but I wonder if I'm only seeing them there because we know better now. Now, that's kind of mm. interesting because, I mean, <clears throat> we all know that woodworking, really, when you get down to it, hasn't changed that much you know, in the last, uh, what, 30 years, yeah, there just, have been some. We're just more pretentious now. 
Absolutely. 3,000 3, years. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, seriously, I don't think there's anything that Norm did that you could just totally write off as, oh, well, we're so much smarter than, than we were back then. It's all decent techniques. It's just that at a different level, at a different time, when it wasn't as easy to get that feedback. You know, I often why, wonder that. Why like, is the biscuit, joint, biscuit joiner, like, so bad now? Like, what happened? Did somebody have a like a bad experience with a biscuit joiner? It's the same so. thing as pocket screws, though. Pocket screws yeah. have always been kind of that redheaded stepchild. Well, at least you know there's the there's the metal fastener snobbery that comes with yeah. all f- quote fine woodworking. So at least I can see that. Whereas it's a screw still, but like it's fast. You know how is a biscuit any different than a domino? Anything, you know, I, anything that's fast. And see, the thing is, though, there's a point. You could always fault biscuits because they didn't have much in the way of depth, right? You could always say they're not yeah. very deep. They can't be that strong. But here comes yeah, the but domino. You use 30 of them. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. On. I mean, in casework, maybe you can get away with it, you know? But here comes the domino, which is as fast as the biscuit joiner. But now it's actually, you know, you got some depth to the joints. So that's the reason why I think the domino has taken off and doesn't get that same criticism, though it did in the beginning. It was just a really expensive True. biscuit joiner in the beginning, and I got yeah. plenty of crap for for showing it on YouTube. Um, but since then, a lot of these people who came along who don't really, I guess, care as much about the feedback as I did in the beginning, they're like, screw it. This is a great tool. I'm going to use this as much as possible. And uh, that's why I don't think it gets the same kind of hate because it's it's quick, but it's actually good. It's actually pretty effective as a joinery tool, whereas some of these other ones are generally considered not as strong or not as good. So I, it's, I can't even imagine, and actually, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, getting the constant feedback definitely is a double-edged sword. And the, the whole concept of comments on any piece of content you make, also double-edged sword. But I think about how different things were back then. If you watched him do something that you had a problem with, and what would you do? You would write a letter to WGBH. You'd be like, I'm sending my tote bag back. <laughs> Screw you guys. Would you? That sounds like a lot more effort. <laughs> You don't look the same people who do the low effort comments these days are the same personalities that would have picked up a pen and a paper and wrote a letter. I don't know. I think that would be too much work for them. I think because it's so much more accessible and easy to just like quickly write down some crap comment to me rather than actually wasting time and energy and money to mail it. The ones who get mad at you for not embedding the link and like making them have to go look it up themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Matt on this one. I'm thinking maybe the effort to pull out a pen and paper even and if find you embed the link, then I'm going to check. They're still going to ask you for it. Yeah. yeah, I think they are still there. I think it's just a much smaller number. I think I'm sure they got plenty of mail from people who did not like what they saw, especially later, because I used to see that sentiment all the time in the forums. They had to have been, you know, someone must have been seeing the, you know, the jokes that would happen in the forums about, uh, norm just having tons of tools. And I, I could do that too. If I had those tools, especially once I got that big goal, uh, wide belt sander in there too. Um, but it is interesting. Like I do th- watch what he's doing and go, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot by posting stuff and seeing how people react to it. And then I would over the years adjust what I do, maybe change something. Oh, well that didn't go over well. Maybe I don't show that anymore. And it was you know, not just in terms of presentation, but just, you know, safety things um, that I became aware of. And it's like he didn't have that benefit. It was him doing his best. And he had his probably his circle of people there who might be able to say, hey, should you do it that way? Maybe you should do this. I I would love to know how that creative process even took place. Um, But it is a little bit weird seeing the product of that creative process in today's environment on YouTube. It is a little bit different. (laughs) I almost said shocking. It's not really shocking. It's just very different because it's the same stuff done in a very different way. It's interesting because like to me, it's it's like, well, Norm is a different generation of woodworker Mm -hmm. and there's so many things that shape that generation. But I know a lot of guys like Norm Abrams, you know, a lot of professional contractors and things that Mm -hmm. that's how they build. And frankly, I just think the, the latest generation, and I include myself in that, we've just become snobs about it because we have so much information at our fingertips. We can afford to like weigh all these different approaches and, you know, join a camp, basically join a, you know, a a tribe, you know, and and we're going to use this method, you know, and he uses the example of, is there a dovetail Jake he didn't use? 
you know, if dovetail jigs were still a super, super popular thing, I'm sure there would be the Lee camp and there'd be the Rockler camp. And mm -hmm. then the some, you know, whatever, that's the only two dovetail jigs I can think of right now. But, um, a mana made one, didn't they? Whatever. Um, I'm sure that there would be that, you know, everybody would have their version and why that version is better. And I think you see that today in some forums, but to me, norm is, is just iconic, you know? And yeah. See, this is going to sound snobby and it probably is because I'm part of that snobby generation. But like David Marks is a fine woodworker. Mm -hmm. Norm is a good woodworker, but I think of Norm as a contractor. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's terrible that that's like a that's like a hierarchy. You know, contractor is lesser than a fine woodworker. I mean, that's just wrong to, to actually put it that way. But you know what I mean, right? When I say Norm's like a home. Yeah, builder. Norm He's was a, a carpenter. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and and he turned those skills into building furniture and there are differences. Um, and yeah. I've, you know, I've, I know some um, installers and people who were in the carpentry trade. They do things very differently. It's it's not that it's not as skilled. It's a different skill set. Um, that yeah. Things that would drive me nuts to, to get them. A lot perfect. of speed. Yeah. I mean, Brad Naylor is like your it's, third hand in everything. Yeah. It's, it's speed and there's practicality to it. And a lot of fine woodworking is anything but that it's slow and impractical in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's so, not yeah. forget as well. This is the age of television and television was fueled by ad sponsors yeah. and Delta was a sponsor, you know? So of course, Norm had all these great tools. Um, uh, who else was the sponsor? Well, Wood, was it Woodcraft? No, that was Scott Phillips. Um, type type bond. Wasn't type on a sponsor in New Yankee for a while. Probably. Yeah. I think so. I just remember Delta was like the sponsor for years and oh, years yeah. and years. Porter cable, you know, so oh, yeah, Porter he cable, used, yeah. he, mm -hmm. you know, he had to use those tools that I'm sure that was in the contract somewhere. And the entire show was funded by those sponsors. Yeah. YouTube is not, you know, it's ad revenue, you know, and but that it's has done, nothing to but do it's with in a different, what's on the show. It's different though, because we have a similar thing. So I asked a question about CNC in a recent video, if anyone had suggestions for brands. And it's interesting because I don't watch anybody else. So I don't know mm -hmm. when people are like, oh, just don't get this brand because if I get another friggin' influencer <laughs> shoving brand, whatever, down my throat, I'm <laughs> done with that. Like, uh, there, I, I keep hearing this a lot about like, oh, you, I, uh, what was it? I made a tabletop, right? And they're like, kudos for not using your CNC or some, some goofy slab flattening jig, you know, that it just, there's a lot of these tools and things. Think about how much woodpeckers stuff. <laughs> the slab flattening jig is out of vogue now. Huh? Yeah, it is. Apparently. No, <laughs> it's in, but oh, someone wow. it, it's angered someone because they've seen it too much and everybody's right. got one, you know? So same thing with like woodpecker stuff, right? Woodpecker stuff is uh, it's all over the place. And it, I think it's, it's, there's definitely something weird happening where it's not always necessarily sponsored, but there are now like brand darlings that have made their way in and then, and people show it and then they watch it and they go, well, I gotta have that too, right? Like I want to be what that guy is or that gal is. I, I should go get the same stuff and they go get it. And then we just have things that we don't necessarily need. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah. I think, I think the, at the core of it is what Mark said, like there was no feedback. Um, yeah. You know, other than the small production staff. Um, and I think Norm would be the first person to say, thank God I'm not a YouTuber. Yes. <laughs> like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I wanted the same thing about Roy Underhill to some. I'm just going to bring him up. Uh -huh. When, when, know, when did Roy, he start? Uh, 80? 1979. October 6th, 1979. Seven, was it 79? First okay, episode yeah. date. Um, and the difference with Roy, of course, is he was, you know, I mean, episode one was about subversive woodworking is what he called it. And it was completely anti-brand. You know, he was using all antique tools and things like that. He was the polar opposite of Norm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that there was success there is because there was that foil um, provided against Norm. But some of the stuff that Roy did in his shop was just downright unsafe. Yeah. You know, and you, you look at every episode, blood was drawn. <laughs> you know, the speed with which he worked and things was just nuts. And I mean, I have the utmost respect for Roy as a performer, mm -hmm. let alone a woodworker. The stuff he was able to do in 22 and a half minutes every single week was just shocking. And, and watching him prepare for shows, when I went down to a school, he was prepping for a show at the bench next to me. And the amount of work that went into being able to do one shot for 22 and a half minutes and build a piece of furniture. Heck yeah. Whereas Norm and David Marks, you know, they were building a piece of furniture over weeks. 
with multiple craftspeople sometimes in David's case. I, know, did, I just done the one correction there though. Um, I, from what I understand, Norm did that build in a couple of days, like the Fair prototype. Enough. Yeah. He, he would do, do it in 22 like, and a half minutes. He would though, do it in a weekend. <laughs> Still though, the yeah. stuff that he would build in a weekend is pretty damn impressive. Um, yeah, heck yeah. Well, and then the other thing too, did you know that the Woodwright shop predates the new Yankee workshop by 10 years? No, 1979 versus 1989 as the start of uh, See, I thought New Yankee. Yankee started earlier than that. That's interesting. I mean, if I'm right. just looking on IMDb here, but it, the 10 years before I was look, a lot of people think of me as the old guy <laughs> in this area, right? Or one That's of the me. older guys. Um, <laughs> I was two years old uh, when this show came out. Um, the Woodwright shop in 1979. That's All nuts. Right. Okay, well, little, that's little baby cool. Mark. So little, so cute. <laughs> little baby, little baby Mark. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting to think about too because these guys are are doing this as pioneers, and there was nothing like it. I mean, look at mm-hmm. the Woodwright shop is interesting because it's a completely different format, and I don't think anything has been like that since. I think that's a one of a kind thing. Um, you look yeah. at the New Yankee Workshop. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that that was exactly what I thought of when I started making shows in 2006 and putting them on um, online. I wanted to do an internet version of the thing I love to watch. And that was Woodworks Mm -hmm. and New Yankee Workshop. And that was the format that I went with. And really, while everybody has their own version of like, how are we going to narrate through this? How are we going to do jokes? There's different presentation styles. But ultimately, um, he set the bar with that show. And it's, it's just interesting because they had nothing maybe there were things in other genres that they could use as models, but there was really nothing in the world of woodworking like that at that time, at least that I know of. What will be interesting to see is if now, now that those shows, those episodes are more accessible, you know, as they're releasing them to the wider woodworking world, you know, literally dropping, you know, mid to late eighties into 2023. Yeah. How will that influence? Like, are we going to see a resurgent and biscuit joiner and like Brad nailers, (laughs) We're going to see wide belt sanders because we're in this this age of like big tools in people's shops, right? Yeah. How many wide belt sanders are going to start showing up in people's shops because Norm had one? Well, you see, Peter's yeah. asking these questions. I think these are legitimate questions. Like, are we sleeping on really good tools that might have helped just because they've fallen out of favor? Not that they're a bad tool, but something about them has fallen out of favor. I think the dovetail jig is an interesting one. I remember yeah. how, I don't know how many conversations we would have in forums about various dovetail jigs and someone would come out with a new dovetail jig. Oh my God, it's so cool. It does this and you can move the little fingers and it's like amazing. Nobody talks about dovetail jigs anymore. Isn't that weird? Or is it, is it just me or you've guys seen that too? No, no, no. No, no, In in my woodworking lifetime, which is less than 20 years at this point, you know, we're getting close to 20 years, but it's less Mm -hmm. than 20 years that I've been woodworking and hand cut dovetails were not a thing. When I started woodworking. Yeah. And I'm not going to say they're not a thing. Somebody else. Some wacko would do it. Roy was doing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But nobody, you know, was, was talking about this. And in order to cut dovetails, you had to have a dovetail jig. Yeah. It was the only way that it could be done. So yeah, it's crazy. Now I think it's gone the other way. I think most people, you know, hand cut them or use like, you know, maybe they use a bandsaw for part of it, but like the chisels come out and everything. Like I don't know anybody using a jig anymore. Or dovetails just have also fallen out of favor. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you see somebody doing, killed them. Yeah. If you're doing a whole bunch of dovetails, (laughs) it does make sense to use a dovetail jig. There's that's why they were invented. Um, makes total sense, but I don't see many dovetails and the people who are doing dovetails are usually pushing toward that, uh, hand cut style. I don't know. So weird, but it is, it is fun to watch, watch what he does, watch how he uses the radial arm saw uh, which was a very popular tool in the eighties that has really fallen out of favor these days. It's um, it's great nostalgia. He's got great jokes and stuff. I found a couple of things that I was like, Whoa, how'd that get past the sensor? Like <laughs> this is, this is PBS oh, yeah. and it's, it's this is like, OG. that's like a, yeah, that's like a Mark <laughs> joke right there. What is going on? Way to go, Norm. Well, if you guys haven't seen it, we've been talking about it. It's great. Go to YouTube, check out the channel. Um, the nostalgia stuff, like it really hits hard. It's super fun to watch. Um, and it's, it's just a very cool thing. You'll even see some new videos with, um, Norm showing up there to promote the new channel, which is very cool to see too. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Peter. Appreciate it. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to do an ad thing. Speaking of sponsors and all that fun stuff. 
Oh boy. We're going to talk about a festival domino. We're going to talk about another brand, another big brand that takes over you YouTube. You can't do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. You watch me. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm Festool, baby. Festool. Festool. Love them or hate them. Festool makes some great stuff. What is that? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Actually, I can't tell you. I can tell you that Rockler okay, carries Matt, them, though. I'll tell you. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Matt. Great question, Matt. Very timely. Um, did you guys know that Rockler carries a wide selection of Festool products in store and online, including Festool Dominoes? We just talked about those track saws, dust extractors, and much more, and is now a full-line dealer with an even broader selection. Brockler also oh, lets you test drive your Festool right. purchases. Look, it's a it's an expensive purchase. Having a test drive is uh, quite a peace of mind. You get one month to try the tool. If you're not satisfied, there's a money-back guarantee. So you can see the full selection at brockler.com, and during the month of March, they're giving away a Festool Domino XL DF700. That's the big boy. The whole set. It's uh, valued at $1,685, $1,685. Enter for your chance to win at rockler.com. So now you got two giveaways you can enter. The $250 gift card, and then oh. uh, which will probably get you like a Festool power cord. And <laughs> <laughs> and you can go get the, uh, the Domino wrong. XL. <laughs> not wrong. I, I had to replace a Festool power cord once. It was a, it was yep, a big or deal. Or maybe like a dust fitting for the end of the mm -hmm. hose. Yeah. Also yeah. in that price range. <laughs> yeah. So so you're saying I could go and buy a Festool Domino and then when I get like run off YouTube for showing up with that on the channel, I could yeah. return it. Yeah, you could. It seems that way. Nice. I mean, let's not abuse Kinda the privilege. Like this is like the Costco thing where people bring, <laughs> right. go get a TV for the Super Bowl and then bring it back. Don't do that. Yeah. Like yeah. legitimate reason to return it. Go ahead and return it. Buy that fancy prom dress and wear it once and take it back. That's what I did. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, that is awesome. Good to Puffy know. shoulders and everything. Yeah. It was beautiful. Go check it out. So, hey, like back with the previous conversation, that is interesting to see too, is like changes in brands like Festool. Now, one, one change I've noticed is Festool's really kind of like embraced the influencer environment. And I think they just had a, um, they just had a show recently. Like I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I'm not going to name names, but someone who was there told me who has been with Festool as a brand for quite a long time. And they said it was such a dramatic difference from past events where this was definitely focused on influencers. And it was full of a lot of DIY focused channels who like if you just think about Festool's history, most of the time, while ding dongs like me would get some Festool stuff. Their real bread and butter were the high-end mobile pros, right? Like that—that mm -hmm. that was their target market. The people who would go see a Gary Katz um, live event, you know, where he's talking about how to do, you know, really high-end trim carpentry and stuff like that. That was the bread and butter. The internet weirdos like me—that was actually one of the reasons why, when I had a, a sponsorship with them, that that came to an end was because they wanted to refocus their attention on the pro market. And I was talking to a different audience. Uh -huh. And this guy was saying, having seen that transition, how different it looked this time with everything was about Instagram and people taking selfies of them, <laughs> themselves using the tools. It was a totally different vibe. And he was like, I felt real uncomfortable about it. <laughs> actually, yeah, it was, it, it was a whole thing. So I actually got that info secondhand, but um, yeah, on good authority. So yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Thought I'd bring it up because everything changes. Hmm. Okay. Should hmm. we get to some questions? Yeah. Sure. Matt, got a good one for you, buddy. Oh, it's for this me. It's huh? all for you. Yeah, I'm going to read it though. Okay. John wrote in. Subject is Matt. Question is, <laughs> Matt seems like a little shy guy. <laughs> like the shy guys in Mario. Is that what oh, that is? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> the little guys that wear the mask, yes. right? Uh -huh. Okay. Matt seems like a little shy guy. How did he find his confidence for videos and podcasting? Uh, it's pretty easy. I'm just talking to myself. Yeah. Most <laughs> of the time. Say. Yeah. It's, 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 it seems like it's a big thing. Talking to a lens. But it's, yeah. And you're only talking to two people here. So. And this is a new like thing for crowd. me. In, in reality, I've only been doing this for what, five years, six yeah. years. I don't know how long it's been. I'm just talking to the little green light on my laptop. I'm not talking to you guys. <laughs> you don't even see us. There's no one here in this room with me. I'm all easy. alone, I think. <laughs> I had to double check behind me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, did you, uh, did you feel a certain, like when you first started, 
I don't remember your early stuff to know. Oh, it's bad. So did, <laughs> did you have, well, here's That's the thing, thing we can all say with confidence. I think you're always, I mean, oh, it's bad. <laughs> I know Matt. I've hung out with Matt. We spent a lot of time together. I don't know that I would call Matt necessarily a shy guy. He's just not necessarily the guy who's going to be the loudest person in the room, but I wouldn't no. necessarily call him shy. He just kind of keeps to himself for the most part, but not due to being shy, just due to being, if I don't have something to say, I'm not going to say it <laughs> kind of person. That's fair. That's fair. You know, so I, I'm curious, like, do you, would you agree with this assessment of you being a shy person? Um, I think I, I was shyer when I was younger. Yeah. I've definitely kind of outgrown that as I've aged and I realized that I don't care what people think of me, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> as, good though. As, as I've kind of grown into adulthood and realized, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter right. as much, like whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I'm definitely introverted, like yeah. for real. And, uh, I don't know. I, you can go back and you can see my original stuff. My original videos are bad because not because I was like shy, but because yeah. I didn't know how to compose myself in front of a camera or right. talk to no one there. <laughs> you were developing your style, your presentation style. Yes. And then you can actually in the first few videos or at least the first few months of me doing videos, uh, you can see this noticeable change where the camera actually becomes like secondary to the best friend to, to the, the speech, I guess. Thank you, Shannon. That's, that's great. I love her. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so nice. <laughs> oh, hello. But yeah, I, I, went you, from, I went from like not being able to talk and compose and like feel the comfort level of the camera being there kind of went away mm -hmm. and it's kind of fading into the background. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this seems a lot more like a natural presentation than this forced, awkward thing that this guy is trying to do. But right. that's why I started making videos originally was to get better at speaking anyway and just mm -hmm. get better at presenting and better at forming thoughts and just sharing ideas. And you can tell in the beginning, I'm not good at it at all. Yeah. I'm still not yeah. that great at it, but I'm getting like every year it just gets a little, yeah, but little you, better. You try really hard and I that's what we love. I try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too that I'll mention about this as well, it's not so much on this because there's no like, there's no editing. This is, as much like the live show I do with Lindsay, where it's just like straight, like mental. Yeah. Don't you say goes out in the <laughs> recording? I, I can make myself sound a lot more well-spoken in an edit. Like, <laughs> yeah, most of the time it's very well cut together. So it sounds all like seamless and uniform. Like I had the full thought all at once, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, jump cuts are very forgiving on YouTube. So, well, you, there's very lots of ways to hide them now. I'm a yeah, cinematographer, so I use more than one camera now. So, of course you do. Sure, very, yeah, right. you got drones. Especially when you have 24 cameras. It's very it's really easy, easy to jump. Always got to and B-roll shot and cover yeah. things up or throw sure. some action shot yeah. on top of the cut. You'll never know it was right, a cut right. there. A single a single multicam sequence for Matt is about seven point eight terabytes. <laughs> in uh, All twenty four four K cameras rolling. Well, I just you know I'd be a, curious. I just added a 360 camera to my lineup, so that should make things even more. Oh, Seriously, is that back again? Joy. This seems like a phase that died. It's actually quite nice because you can reframe and compose and pan in post. Dang, that's wild. Sure, Does it look like can, crap though. Then you no, have to. It's a full 1080. You got to show me. I want to see some image, and you can. I yeah, sure. They're on. I put show a couple me. on my S social media. Send me some ready. clips. Okay. See, I, gotta, see, I, I said the same thing about the wider aspect of like action cams. Like I would specifically shoot at the higher res because I had so many more pixels to play with. Mm -hmm. So you could crop and pan. And I was like, yeah, this is great. And then I just got so tired of having to do it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah, you can, but then you have to. <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point of doing it enough now where I'm kind of, I, I definitely shoot more for the edits. So I'm not going to be like shooting all this stuff to then throw away. So mm -hmm. with the 360 cam, I'm like, I have it in the shop. So I'm like, if I'm, the last video I just shot was like processing lumber. So I have the 360 camera there in the shot in the shop with another camera anyway, so I can cut between them. But that allows me to like, oh, I'm at the jointer, but now I'm going to walk over to the planer. The camera can now follow me and show that like I'm uh, walking yeah. over here now. And then I have a camera that's facing the planer I can cut to. So it, I, can, I can play around with the like someone's there in the shop. It's like having a camera person without having a camera I was going to say, the lengths we'll go to to avoid working with someone. <laughs> You're right. <laughs>
<laughs> so is it just like a giant disco ball that just hangs in the middle of the shop? You, you can put it wherever you want. And the, you well, the cool thing about it is it's great. on the, it um, stitches out the stick that it's on. So you can't see the mounting point. Mm -hmm. So like you can put it like anywhere you want Imagine. and you'll never see the mount cool. if you're looking straight down. Do you guys think we if go. we took like a survey, Matches Schwarz 3D 360 cameras, <laughs> you watch. If, if we took Look like a um, photo, if you took a survey of creators, do you think a lot of them are introverts? Because yes, I would, I would say one hundred percent. Let you know that I am an introvert. Like I, heck yeah. There is a I. I try not to f appear standoffish, and it's nothing against other people, but it really stresses me out anytime you do I have send to them do to the wrong address when they want to come by your house. I send yes. them to my mom's house. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not standoffish. No. I jump through every hoop I can to not that's, that's deal with people. Standoffish. <laughs> But it's not. It's it's an introverted uh, personality trait. I've always been introverted. I I was very shy. I mean, people are saying Matt's a shy guy. I was absolutely shy. I was the little kid who was always hanging on my mom's leg. I didn't want to talk to anybody. She, I think she to this day we go out to dinner. I still make her order for me. I don't want to talk to the waiter. Yeah, you're still hanging on the leg. <laughs> yeah, I still got my hanging on my mom's leg. You know, that's what you do. But no, seriously, like I think a lot of us probably are introverted and it's interesting too because you, you go to an event like workbench con or whatever and you very quickly find the introverts right and you can very quickly find actually more quickly find the extroverts because yeah. they're very obvious it's the introverts like matt and i are like i think there's a place with seafood down the road yeah, let's go over there do, do you think we can go over there and no one will notice <laughs> like well, what's been yeah, interesting for my own like like i don't know personality or personal development is like the more i've gotten into this stuff like with the content creation like having having fans let's say mm -hmm. the one thing that's nice about it is that there's like this the ice is already broken because at least they already know who i am yeah and there's at least they know there's some topping talking point that we can talk about that yeah it, it kind of gets rid level. of all that weird who the hell are you and what do you do and let me <laughs> so there's like this nice beginning point of the conversation which helps me a lot as an introvert to be like okay i can actually like feel i want to say like comfortable is not quite the right word because it's not like i'm uncomfortable talking to people yeah. but it just because generally the conversation starts with crotch oh so, yeah, definitely you never that, get comfortable there that helps a lot crotch, like crotch, fellow crotch lover just like walk up say fellow crotch <laughs> lover okay i'm like you're cool uh you passed the cool <laughs> test is <laughs> it a little bit like the live long and prosper the symbol yes, for, exactly for like crotch yes. people yeah, there's crotch right, right there, yeah. just crotch <laughs> Live long and prosper. I got you. And that, and <laughs> there you go. Is that more accurate? Yeah, maybe that's the crotch symbol. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Couple branches. Podcast. Couple branches. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah, you guys got to watch podcast. the video because we're, do, we're doing fantastic. Vulcan and gang signs. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I, I, I think we talked enough that, about that. But thank you. I don't know either. It's all good. Thanks, Matt's an extrovert. Ask this weird question. Matt's out of his shell because people know who he is. That's that's the moral to that story. There we go. Okay, Matt, you got actually got a question here. What? Who? Can you believe picked it? a question from me? All right, here we go. This is I did. Warren. Oh, you picked it. Okay, great. No, I didn't. I didn't put that there. Oh. Who? Yeah, yeah, I did. Never mind. Who put that there? I was gonna say somebody did because <laughs> I, I didn't. didn't. Who put? That there? It was totally I didn't even me. Put my own question in there. Mark just I like, did, did the whole show. <laughs> the show prep I, of course i did it never mind go ahead as you what were the hell did i put that there <laughs> do i not remember doing this <laughs> i did That's, it like an hour ago and i don't remember totally happened so. okay all right there question from lauren all right <laughs> workbench outfeed table hybrid okay that's quite the words all right i primarily do power tool woodworking and metalworking but i have been slowly getting into hand tool woodworking as i find it deals here and there Oh, as I find deals here and there on hand tools. One of the biggest issues I have, uh, one of the biggest issues is I don't have a workbench that is conductive to work holding. My workshop is small, only 250 square feet. And while I dream of a large shop like Mark has, the housing mark, market, I'm guessing it's supposed to be market. Market says Think I'm market. stuck where I'm yeah. at. I currently have a small outfit table that is six foot by two and a half feet. And that is about all the space I have available for a workbench in order to fit a workbench in my shop. 
I am going to have to make this bench do everything from hand tool woodworking, hand tool, work holding, assembly, and also function as an outfit table. What are some eventual <laughs> functions or features you would include in a workbench that has to do it all? Oh, Matt's tired. <laughs> it's late. It's been a long day. I mean, this yeah, is, it is late. I'm going to move <clears> now. no bueno. Yeah. Oh my okay. Gosh. You know, this, this is actually kind of funny back to the original topic. Like, isn't that kind of what Norm did? Like the dedicated workbench thing, I feel like almost started with Schwarz. Like, cause this is when I was starting woodworking. I had like a counter. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. I had like a work everything. surface that wasn't really a good workbench, right. but it was a surface that was off the ground. And I always thought right. the people who had like the real old school fancy workbench were just kind of weird. Like yep. super dedicated to what they were doing, but it yep. wasn't for yeah. me. The special man, the internet ruined everything. Long ago. We're talking like 2007. It really eight, is interesting maybe? to document these changes just in, in sentiment and tool usage. Well, the reason I put this in there is just if we can kind of brainstorm uh, for Lauren here, like what do we think in that kind of space? A classic workbench just may not be the best option for him. I mean, it's good for work holding and stuff, but it sounds like he does oh, need I think it's like oh, exactly what table. we're. Yeah, I think <laughs> we're, he needs exactly or she is Lauren. I can't tell if that's is that a dude's name. <laughs> like there's be. Lauren Michaels, the right? Makes me think it's a man. But yeah, I'm not that's really sure. Like Lauren Michaels, right? Or is he yeah. Lauren? Hello. That's Lauren, I think, but still. Oh, L O R E N. I feel like it doesn't uh, matter. A, it doesn't really I matter. Think you're right, tangenting it a little bit here. There's a Lauren Gray who is spelled the same way, and it is a female. All right. Well, this anyway. really isn't important. It's not germane Either to the way, conversation. The answer's the same. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I think more of a utilitarian workbench <laughs> work holding device. Thank you. Uh, I'm I think not you need, even. You need some kind of like. Some way of mounting some kind of woodworking vice, like a face vice somewhere yeah. on there. Is this a good candidate for like uh, uh, some of these T-track nightmares that we see all over the place? I don't, <laughs> maybe, but like that's all like that's more surface planting though, right? <laughs> uh, T-track and a mix of dog holes. Get a nice little dog hole grid. So like, yeah, I mean, really, you can drill dog holes in any surface, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want a little bit of thickness so that the holdfast has something to kink into, but you may not be using holdfast. Well, how about this? There's like all what? kinds of hold down type things. Lauren yeah. didn't get into work. like what metalworking they're talking That's about. That's right. Woodworking and metalworking. That like, does is, are complicate we welding? Things. Are we just like, I just wanted to drill some holes and some steel or like I just need to file a, hmm. a screw that I cut down or... Like yeah. the, well, the range of like what people call metal working is like doesn't doesn't mix real well. It doesn't. Um, but are we just talking about like hand I just want to have like really don't mix <laughs> a basic metal working bench vise on there too to hold metal screws so I can use a hacksaw to cut them shorter. Or are we talking mm -hmm. like I want to fabricate and weld on this thing too, or drill or grind. Can you even do that? Like, is there even a, a world in which those can safely coexist? I mean, safely, sure, but like conveniently, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> the metalworking thing screws it all up. I had answers, and now that you throw metalworking into it, I'm like, well. I didn't throw it in. Lauren threw it in. Yeah, but you reminded me. But you like, well, <laughs> here's, the, here's the, the exercise that I take people through when they're asking about, like, what vices do I put on my workbench? And I always say, what are your next three to five projects? Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe you don't know. You know, but what 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 are like some things on your bucket list? Pick three or five, three to five projects and just think about it. Like, how am I going to build it? What work holding would be good for this? How am I going to walk through this and build it? Am I going to cut this over in the table saw? Then maybe I need some outfeed support. So I want that outfeed table. I'm going to be hand cutting dovetails. So I'm going to want, you know, a face vise probably to hold the board or I'm, you know, screw that. I'm going to use a dovetail jig. So you need a blade to clamp it, you know, down to the bench top. If you can actually walk through a build or three, and I say more than one, because obviously there's going to be differences from one to the other, plan that out. And there's your answer. And I think whether it's the next three to five or the next 15 to 20, you'll find that the answer is probably the same. Um, just because there's only so many ways to do this, right? There's only so many ways to hold something to route something, to saw something. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I think the more specialized you get, the more you paint yourself into a corner. 
Yeah, that's true. Okay. I don't know. Interesting question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have a great answer. It's a, a challenging situation. I think Shannon gave us the best answer. I think agree. about it and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> that's basically what he said. Shannon's got a, he's, he's more of like teach the man to fish kind of guy. I'll condense it down for you there, Lauren. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always been my philosophy. I don't yeah. have answers. I'm going to show you how to fish. I'm going to show you how to find the answers. Let me Google that's that what I for you. Do. That's what I need to do. Yeah. I'm going to do a fly fishing podcast. Oh, that's do it. Do it. There we go. I won't listen, but do it. I won't listen. I won't do it. <laughs> nice. Uh, all oh, right. That's my first, my first iTunes review is going to be awesome. It's I won't listen. Mark. One star. <laughs> I, I didn't did listen, listen, but I love it. It's <laughs> a great idea. I'm just happy okay. for All right, Shannon. This I think is, you got this the last one. This is from Anthony. Anthony. Uh, Anthony. Anthony. Whatever. Uh, he's organizing power tools. Um, like a lot of That's us, a good question for I you. have quite a few portable power tools. <laughs> good reason. Yeah. I what gave you, you this one. Who are you, you talking to? Like a lot of us. The way I assign, Rounders. I assign my questions on the show as little jokes for myself. That clearly, well, <laughs> clearly, this one actually kind of works for me. If I go back like okay. ten years, yeah. So he says, uh, I have quite a few po portable power tools, routers, and the like. While the festival stuff comes in nice, neat adult Lego sustainers. Most of them are in random sized blow molded cases. Some of them are in no case at all. There are quite a few ways to go about storing them, but how do you guys, but do you guys have a cheap stackable method for the caseless stuff? So yeah, um, one of the first things I did when I got like a router or a biscuit joiner, cause I had one, a DeWalt one, cause that's what Norm told me to buy. Mm -hmm. um, I got rid of that blow molded case. Now I didn't get rid of it. I like shoved it in the, the, the cupboard under the stairs with Harry Potter. Because there was, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if I ever sell this, I'll probably be able to sell it, like, more readily if I have the case. Like, you know, instead of just, like, here's my biscuit joiner. But if I had the case that it came in, I would probably be able to sell it more. I don't know why mm -hmm. I was thinking that. But I did hang on to them. But the first thing I did was take them out and, like, move that blow-molded case somewhere else. And I had a whole bank of drawers in my shop that had, like, pull-out trays. So like there was a drawer front, like a false front, and then a, just a real shallow tray on full extension slides behind it. And there was just a, a, a stack of them. Um, and I built a, a little plywood cabinet that had all those in it. And then I put the whole thing on wheels so I could roll it around. But um, just the shallow tray was great for, you You could stand up routers, you could lay routers down on the side, you could put pin nailers in there, the biscuit joiner fit in there. It was just a real easy way to do all that. It was actually not until like Festool came on the scene that I started keeping those containers just because of the way they stacked on top of the extractor mm -hmm. and that whole mobile professional that, that Mark was talking about earlier. Um, otherwise though, I mean like those blow molded cases didn't hold anything. Like it held the tool in like a French fit compartment, but like a lot of the air router bits didn't fit there. You know, the wrench, the two wrenches that came with the Porter cable router fit and that was it. <laughs> right. So um, I immediately got rid of those things and, and just built uh, a series of trays that worked. Um, was it the cheapest? It wasn't that bad. I mean, this is when plywood was still affordable. So <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it was something that I screwed together. I didn't even use pocket screws. I just used screws right through the side Damn. and full extension savage, slides from the depot. savage, man. I know, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, that that worked for years. I eventually integrated that cabinet into like a miter saw station. So it stopped being mobile and permanently lived up against the wall, but it, it was great. I mean, it was, I could store all kinds of tools in there and very quickly get to them. Mm -hmm. My answer would be the same. Get rid of those damn cases. I think for a person working in a shop, if you're not hitting the road with your tools, those cases are probably the biggest waste of space you could probably yeah. incorporate. Um, I've got an older video that I did quite a while ago on a tool case that I made. It's just basically like a cabinet for storing tools. And I kind of did a little comparison of the equivalent amount of space that those tools take up. And then when I shove them in little cubbies and on little shelves and inside, you know, little compartments, you can compress so many more tools into a space if you just get rid of those damn cases, even the Festool ones. And I say get rid of, I think what you were talking about, Shannon, totally valid. If you can hold on to them, hold on to them. It's going to help with resale mm -hmm. value. If you do have to go on the road, you might want to use the case. But ultimately, <clears throat> complete waste of space. Get them out of there. If they're tools that you actually use, then make them more accessible. Put a bunch of them on a slide-out tray. You're going to be so happy with it. It's so much easier to get to the tools. 
Seriously, I won't even like get a tool that's out on the other side of the shop, let alone like get it out of its case. <laughs> right? It's just <laughs> that's, too much to that's ask. A sheer sign. That maybe that's what happened to biscuit joiners. They were all on their blow molded cases. Yeah, and, no and everybody one, threw them everyone out. Stopped using them. <laughs> okay. Thanks. So, what do you do uh, for your stuff, Matt? So I. Uh, I don't know what it was like five years ago. I kind of moved to this mindset of having the shop be only for things that are used on like a frequent basis or more. I remember basis. that. That's where the drum sander yes. left, right? Absolutely. But yeah. So the, the same, same thing with the, like the portable t- power tool things. So in the, the old barn or the small barn or the horse barn or whatever, I've got those, mm-hmm. the plastic shelves, the assemble, snap through the plastic shelf things. That's where I keep all the portable handheld power tools that I don't, use on a frequent basis and sure. then the ones that i do use on a frequent basis they're just kind of wherever they are in the shop if it's like the orbital sander or like a router or whatever those are all out yeah. in the shop but if i want like my metal cutting circular saw out in the barn like mm-hmm. a hammer drill barn you know like yeah how often do i need like once a year i walk up there grab the tool and i put it away and it's out of my way it's out of the shop it's in its own little storage area that's sure. honestly that's been like a huge help for me because I've people have like seen my shop, the, the old shop before I kind of got into that. And there was this crap everywhere because it was the shop was a workspace and a storage space. And mm-hmm. I had way too much stuff in there, things I never used, things I never wanted to have in there, but I had to hold on to because whatever. Um, and I, I started going down that road of like, okay, the shop is only the only things in here are things that I actually need to use on a frequent basis or things that I'm using in that project for that in that moment. If it doesn't yeah. fall into those categories, it needs to be in storage out of this, out of this room. Yeah. So I yeah, do absolutely. the same thing with the, the handheld, even like pneumatic nailers. There's no pneumatic nailers in my shop. I don't use yeah, them. I'm not using them all the time. Just an occasional thing. Yeah, that's it. So they're in their little, they're actually in their blue mold cases. Those ones I keep in the cases because they're kind Smart. of smaller and they're a little more compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in the barn. You know, they're all together, just chilling like in a old cabinet. That was out there. See, that's Mine are all sitting next to my pancake compressor. Cause why would I need a pneumatic nailer in my shop? Why, why would you compress a pancake? They're already, they're already so smushed. You but shouldn't compress Matt's dog. I make really fluffy pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't compress my pancake. <laughs> they're flourless. <pancakes>. Incompressible. <laughs> Gluten-free garbage wafers that no garbage one wants to eat. Wafers. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan of like, like if I don't use it all the time, it's not in my shop. I like elbow room. Yeah. Like I was the same way. There was stuff everywhere, like vintage tools stacking up. And then I started discovering like, like specialty things like, you know, wood turning. There's mm-hmm. so many oh, freaking yeah. jigs for my lathe. But if I, unless I'm turning, I don't need that stuff. So I stuck all of it in like one of those Rubbermaid containers mm-hmm. And I stacked it next door in my laundry room. Like, so all of my marquetry stuff, all of my wood turning stuff, it's in its own case. And it's like, if I'm going to do marquetry, like I go and get the case and bring it into the shop. And when I'm done, I take it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it gives you so much more room. You, you feel so much more organized and like optimized yeah, because I, you're not tripping over stuff. I feel like we've nice. talked about this like a lot before, but just having that space, just not having to, yeah. to look at the clutter, to deal with the clutter. And just being able to like walk, like that's, I mean, that's yeah. for me, that's like, holy crap, this is great. I can actually walk around. I can yeah. move this camera around. Kind of like not as much of a pain in the ass as it could be Yeah, with stuff everywhere. Yeah. I'm kind of liking this. <laughs> Makes a big difference. Yeah, nice. It's I mean, it's still, for me, it's still evolving. I'm still working on it, but that's what, that's what the sandpaper thing I'm working on now is like, I gotta, I gotta get this done because I never hung up the old one from the old shop. Right. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, if I'm going to, and it's out of date because it was, I built it when I used to use a five inch random orbit sanding pad. So I have all like uh, the cubbies for every grit of what do we call it? The hand, the whole page, the whole page yeah. sandpaper and the, and the five inch discs. That's, like, what, that's what we called it. <laughs> but now they're all the wrong size, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't use that anymore. So I'm like, I can, I can use that cubby for like something that I'd actually need by the bench. Yeah. Like, yeah, just make a whole new project, whatever. Nice. Yeah, see, and that's why the belt sander went out of form because of those belts were too difficult to store. Couldn't make a decent sandpaper cubby for it. That's a tricky tool, too. (laughs) Really, I can see why, like, in in the face of other sanders for fine woodworking, 
<laughs> I can yeah, see why yeah. that one is not pulled out. I mean, I own one, just, but if I had just a barn, one step down from die grinder, yeah, <laughs> as far kind as of a sculpting is. tool goes, <laughs> let's just say if I had a barn on that thing, that's where I would keep that tool. It would that's be where mine barn. is. Yeah. I actually have several. Just, They're in the barn. There's times, there's times, but it just doesn't come out that often. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. I mixed my uh, spot there, and I thought we had a winner to announce. Dang it. All right, when you're reading, I'm going to go look for the winner. And remember to head to rockwood.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Hooray for that. I would be curious to hear from our audience. Go to woodtalkshow.com, fill out the form, or email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. What are the things that we do and our generation of woodworkers do that we're all going to laugh and scoff at 20 years from now on whatever the 20 years in the future version of a podcast is. We do stupid thumbnails. Yeah. See, I'd be willing to bet that I've got some stuff that's old enough that people are already saying, what was he smoking? You know, what was he doing there? But I'd be really curious. I'd be willing to bet that there's stuff that, that current creators have done. Um, Gosh, even those that have only been around a couple of years. You think about how much has changed in a mm-hmm. couple of years. So, yeah, let's hear from you. What are the things that we shouldn't be doing anymore that you've seen us do, that you saw Matt do in the first five episodes? I don't know why I'm throwing <laughs> Matt under the bus right now. <laughs> do it. Because he's shy and he won't defend himself. Spraying That's right. Michelle's side. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> <Exactly>. recent revelation. <laughs> but yeah, let us know at those contact things. There you above. go. And, and, and yeah. That's all I got. That's cool. all I can stall, Mark. Did you find it? I did. Yeah. The the winner right. of the November through January gift card, 250 bucks, went to David Kunkel. David? Yay, David. Kunkel. Congratulations. Congratulations. And uh, David, did if you, you listen to the show. you buy a power cord from Festool? <laughs> go, get your own, leftover for- go get your own power cord, dude. You're uh, you're in the money. <laughs> uh, seriously, money. David, if, uh, if you listen to the show, let us know what you got. I think that's, you know, it's cool to announce the winners, but I also want to know what you guys are getting with that gift card. Let us know. Heck yeah. All right. Did, did they, was the store nice? Did they, did they stop you and say, you're it's not going to buy that easily? They're always nice. Yeah, that's what they do. When you're a Wood Talk fan, you walk in, they go, ah, ah, ah. Don't think you're slipping ah. by. We know you're a Wood Talk listener. <laughs> Come over here. Secret handshake. <laughs> pull out the wooden paddle and <laughs> smack you like in the butt. <laughs> fraternity initiation. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for, yeah. Thanks for coming back. Two stars or not. (laughs) We'll come again. Two stars. Come again. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.